will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And welcome back to the show, or I guess uh, hopefully you're happy we're back. Uh, <laughs> I know Leslie and I are both happy that our peak season is done with work. Is that right, Leslie? Yes, because that is cr- stressful, crazy, and exhausting. And now it's time for a vacation, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, even though my vacation is not till September, I am ready for it now. Um, but yes, so we're we're back. Uh, we figured what better way to come back from a little bit of a break there than to continue our MCU franchise review. And the big one, finally, Avengers. Um and I think some other things we have a little bit planned in the future. And Leslie and I are toying around with this idea, but we have to come up with ground rules on this one. Otherwise, I'm <laughs> going to die. But we do have a plan of kind of doing a um, audio only right now. Watch along of Parks and Rec uh, to where I drink every time I am annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> or hate myself or hate what I'm watching on screen. So that's basically any time Amy Poehler is on screen. Um, no offense to Amy. I just I've never liked her. I've never found her super funny. Uh, she looks like a very awkward bird in her face. <laughs> like I, I don't mean to be like degrading of her physical characteristics. But yeah, she's just one of the hardest things for me to get over on that show. But Yes, we'll figure it'll be fun because I will be completely sloshed, uh, but we'll have those <laughs> planned well in advance. Uh, I know we still have to do our Fear Street um, review, and I know Pat's itching to get on that. And then obviously Suicide Squad just came out, uh, which you're being a meanie and not watching it. <laughs> uh, so we'll figure Well, we've got a bunch of stuff that we're going to be covering here, but let's get back to our MCU franchise review and and uh, kick off right, I guess, before variant Loki uh, appears, because this <laughs> is kind of his sort of genesis. But uh, yeah, Avengers was one of those uh, movies like from the get go when they were announcing that project and everything. I was like, I'm never going to live to see this movie made like something's going to happen. I'm going to die in a car- tragic car accident. If I could oh, just no. make it to 2012, because like obviously that came out in 2012. And that was the year the world was going to end too ends, because yeah. of the Mayan Mayan calendar. And I was like this movie, I'm never going to get to see it. And uh, I'm, I'm glad I did in. But I will say, uh, just as a general kind of overview, what I really noticed on this watch through was this is probably where they started inserting too much of the humor 
into like the serious moments. Like we had sprinkles of it in like Thor and Captain America and all that and Iron Man. But like this one felt like they had to, that they like joke, serious moment, joke, serious moment, joke, serious moment, like every other second. So um, I definitely noticed it a lot more on this watch through than I think I have in the past. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, do you have any general thoughts? Uh, I, uh, the places where the jokes felt off to me are still the same places where they felt off to me now. Like it doesn't okay. feel that much different. There's just, there's certain ones like the one that um, stands out in my mind. Cause like we said, we're just kind of going to go all over the place with this one is when Thor is saying like, you know, be careful how you speak about Loki. He's my brother, blah, blah, blah. When Nat says he murdered 80 people or whatever. And then he goes, well, he's adopted. Like that, that is a joke that felt off to me in 2012. And it still feels off and not quite like with the flow of what they're doing right there in the moment, you know, now. So it, like okay. the same, the same places where it kind of felt like eh, to me then are the same places now, but like, before we go too scatterbrained, I just wanted to say, you know, talk a little bit about the experience of getting this movie. You know, like you said, it was it was a big thing. Oh, and yeah. We were so excited. And I went back to the movie theater, I, I don't know, seven or eight times. Like, oh, I was right own. there, right around you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, mean, I was uh, sorry to, like, inter- interject, but, like, I was working at the movie theater at that time. So, mm-hmm. like. There would be times where I'd like sneak in a little bit while like working just to get get a few glimpses. But like I used every pass I had to go see it <laughs> multiple times and yeah. I bought other tickets. Like I, I probably saw it about six or seven times. Yeah, it was so exciting. I even remember going at one point and only half watching the movie and half watching this family that had a little boy in front of me. And just he was so into it. He was so excited. And I was just entertained by how entertained he was by it. He could have been like six or seven, I think, but he was just like having a fantastic time, you know? And it was just, it was like you said, cause we're talking about like the start of this, like it's probably right. like, ah, they get it now. You know, anybody, the teenagers or, or young people, you know, I feel old saying young people, <laughs> but it's like, ah, that's, cause that's something that's always been, you know, the MCU, but this is like where it started. You know, and well, you know, really it's, think about your part of that experience. There are some kids who have been born where the MCU has just been there. You know, you yeah. think about it, it's been a ten, it's been 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we that's, you know, anyone that's always there. Yeah, it's it's always been there for them. They had no idea what it was like to really only have like Batman eighty nine and Superman or other uh, seventy four and you know superhero movies or right. weird shows and people not really giving them any kind of respect or or you're still right. well, the and, weird nerd in the corner. Funny enough, uh, to kind of go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, um, I uh, I was watching a little bit on Tubi the documentary for the failed Fantastic Four movie from the nineties because I I remember specifically like as a little kid seeing the trailer for that and being like so super hyped that there was going to be a fantastic four movie. And then it like never happened. Mm-hmm. And then finding out all this intriguing history, but like when they were working on that film, like they had plans for Dr. Strange and Captain America and Iron Man and Thor, like they were going to move forward in the nineties, kind of almost doing this MCU franchise type of thing. But then it became kind of, uh, character rights issues and mm-hmm. uh, financing falling through. Like you had like Wes Craven was going to direct like Dr. Strange, I believe. And it's <laughs> like, Oh gosh, the guy who did like nightmare on Elm street, that would be amazing to see his, his doc strange film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like now here for us who kind of went through that drought, it was like the culmination of all of these cool moments and, and this really cool partnership between at the time, different movie studios before Disney bought them all, uh, bought the rights back and everything working together to create in like for the first time, a cinematic universe of interconnected movies where, you know, something that happens in this movie is going to come into play in a completely different characters movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. and we, it could have easily failed. Oh yeah. This could have been and I, I'm sure there are detractors now because I, I know people that you know work in comic books and stuff like that who 
who don't really care for the first Avengers movie. Uh, they didn't like certain characterizations. They just thought it was meh. Um, they thought that it didn't do a good job with like Loki being not so much Loki being the villain, but how they how they made him to be the villain in it rather kind of being the puppet um, and and then the real villain being the, the puppet master type thing. Mm-hmm. But I I mean, I can still watch it now and it's yeah, it might be the one that I might go back and revisit the least moving forward because it's it's that introductory story. It's like any first movie in uh in, in a franchise where you know they learn to become the hero. You're like, okay, now that I've got like Age of Ultron or Endgame and Infinity yeah. War, <laughs> where their full costume and all that stuff's out of the way, it's like I'm more likely to revisit those so that introductory stuff is out of the out of the package. Yeah, yeah. What well, one of the other things that this movie did at least for me, I don't know, maybe anybody else, but did it re-inspire your interest in things like these? And this is what re-inspired me joining that RPG group for a little while before yeah. it all kind of fell apart. But, like, there, was, there wasn't anything like this, you know, beforehand. So to see it succeed was just really, really cool. Yes. And, um, I mean, and people have heard me kind of disparage Joss Whedon a little bit, um, <laughs> but that's... Yeah, that was this when seeing this before the time, like none of that stuff was out. None of that stuff was really known. And I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I still am to this day, huge fan of the Buffy and, and Angel TV shows, Firefly. Like I like Joss Whedon projects. And I think Joss Whedon probably for this style of comic book movie and, and cinematic universe was the right person to get for this movie. Um, whereas, up, yeah, yeah it, whereas like when you take him and then supplant him over into the DC stuff where <laughs> they were doing a different style where they weren't mm-hmm. going in that humorous kind of lighthearted route that really interrupted the flow of things. Yeah. And um, but I think he probably was the only person who could have done this movie without it being a complete bomb. It could have failed, but there would have been those Joss Whedon moments from those television shows and from his other projects that you always liked. You would see them kind of shine through in on this one. Um, But there are some things that I, when rewatching this and having, uh, I know you haven't seen it yet, but but having seen Black Widow, Mm -hmm. that there is actually references here in Avengers that actually ties directly in to Black that her Widow. movie. Yes. Uh, and saying what it, what it is, isn't really kind of a, a spoiler to Black Widow, but like Dreykov's daughter, mm-hmm. that's, you know, when she, when Loki's kind of giving her the little speech, speech. and she's playing, playing him like a fiddle, but Dreykov's daughter is mentioned in that. And that does have a connection within the Black Widow movie. And that was really cool. Even though I might be a little bit, mellow on black widows solo film. I just thought it was okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's really nice connection. It it, again, kind of shows what has made the MCU movies very successful and work as a whole is that internal consistency of, of interconnected references and character histories that can be called upon. And you can go back and look at a movie that was made in 2012 and go, wow, they actually introduced that concept there. And now we're seeing the culmination of that concept in 2021. Yeah. It pay off. Yes. I think that was the biggest thing when you look at this movie and then we get all the way to end game, like seeing the Thanos storyline pay off so well, you know, of having him as the big bad, being able to keep it consistent for like the 10, 11 years, you know, that's, that's no easy feat. Spent right. with all the different people, the different writers, the different directors, the different, you know, it could have gone astray many times, but you know, they were able to like keep it together, keep it on track and, and all pay off. And it's one of the, and it all started here, you know, <laughs> the history and people in their floaty chairs when they're going time <laughs> traveling or whatever, <laughs> come back to 2012 to go relive the experience. Yeah. And um, I, the only kind of I think the only problem with with this film is, um, is there's really not like a whole lot there. And I mean that in the sense of plot. So plot is yeah. very, very basic. Yeah, I feel like the expectation, especially from the, the movies and the years leading up to it, was that you've seen all of these before you see this. Like it was very clear that this yeah. goes right into it, right into the story, and like, and we move right along. We do not hold your hand. You're expected to know 
everything previously. You know, right. this wasn't introdu like you said, like the introductory movies. This wasn't introducing you to Cap or Thor or Iron Man or whatever. You've seen the movies, you know who they are. So this was just, you know, right to it, tired of the pavement, let's go. Well, and I also mean it in the sense of like it's just, you know, Loki shows up, everyone's gotta converge, everyone fights, and then everyone fights Loki. So like there's really no um there's no character growth, really. And that's uh, although that's a complaint I have, it's a very minor complaint because this yeah. is, again, the first time you're handling six, seven big main group of characters. Mm -hmm. You're kind of doing a reboot for a little bit of a soft reboot for Hulk. So, you know, you've got yeah. a lot of different things that you are trying to juggle. So although it's a complaint, it's very minor because I understand that they couldn't have gone in this with going oh, yes, we're going to be super plot-heavy, uh, exposition, yeah. setting up Infinity War and Endgame. They basically just go, yes, Thanos is going to be our puppet master. We're only showing his face briefly, and then we're leaving that for future stuff. Yeah, I don't rather think than this movie would have been hard. successful if it was plot-heavy. Right, right. They, they're, they're just going, you know Loki's a bad guy. Loki's got his intentions. Just focus on that. And yeah. uh, so, like... Uh, it, it's more of knowing what comes after where I sit back there and watch it retroactively going. I wish you could have done some more story heavy moments in this, but I can understand else at the same time, because this is really where Clint gets his first like actual foray. And even here, he's still sidelined most of the film. Mm -hmm. um, but it, understandably, too, because he's also the most which I, I hate this but like also the most ridiculed out of the entire group because everyone's yeah. like, Oh, it's Hawkeye. Yeah. He's just got a bow. What happens arrow, when right? he runs out of arrows? Yeah. Right. Which is funny enough is like a scene within the film itself. Like, and they show kind of how, you know, intuitive he is and how he can think on his, uh, on his toes and interact in a situation that's completely out of the norms of everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things, uh, cause I remember bringing this up in the uh, in our Hulk review uh, with Pat and you that they this is where they kind of canonized the alternate opening to Incredible Hulk uh, a little bit when Banner's talking about how he got really low and that he put a gun in his mouth and the other guy spit it out like that's the alternate opening when he's up in Canada and he goes mm -hmm. out there to kill himself and it's it's kind of nice to throw back to that but I, I will say that this is probably Maybe outside of Thor Ragnarok um, and a little bit of Age of Ultron because he's not much different in Age of Ultron. Like this is about the only good Hulk we see after Ed Norton's Hulk. Like uh, yeah. I, I really think that Mark Ruffalo, especially in this film, because, you know, it gets a little bit older, it gets a little bit grayer. But this film, he looks Bruce Banner like yeah. straight from the comic book. Yeah, this is the one, because, like you said, we're getting a recast, like our second recast of the MCU, right? Yeah. Because it was, I'm trying to think, uh, like our Rody, second major, Rody. yeah, our, this is our second major recast. But I feel like here is like the best performance of Bruce Banner and Hulk, you know, or slash Hulk, that he has done is is in this movie. The, the other ones going forward, I don't feel like they're terrible as far as like, I don't feel like he's acting terrible. To me, it feels more like a material that the writers yeah. have decided that his Bruce Banner is to be a little more comic relief mm -hmm. and not so much actually who Bruce Banner really is. And so I feel like it deteriorates into just a caricature cartoon, you know, funny performance. And it's not it's not horrible. And if you kind of take it at what it is and just kind of laugh about it and go with it, I think it's fine. But when I come back to this movie and I see how well and how, how much like he's Bruce Banner, like I connected with him more as Bruce Banner in this movie than I did as Ed Norton in the Hulk movie. Like right. I felt like his performance here was so good to just kind of feel like now going forward, we're just going to see it deteriorate and go down, you know, the other side of the curve. But here, I felt like he was really, really good. 
Yeah, I would say that um, it's it's here in um, probably Thor Ragnarok, and I and I mean more probably on the Hulk side because like mm-hmm. that's the version of Hulk I wanted to see more is the Thor Ragnarok Hulk where he's he's more communicative, but he's still kind of that barbarian yeah. um, rather than what we get by you know Endgame where you just got Smart Hulk with no real setup, no real characterization story whatsoever, which is funny because the one of the deleted scenes from Infinity War rectifies that. And if they yeah. had just kept that scene in an in Infinity War, it'd be like everyone who has a problem with Smart Hulk in Endgame would not have a problem with Smart Hulk in Endgame because it made so much sense of this kind of uh, this bigger than life character who's never been defeated getting his ass handed to him by Thanos at the beginning and Banner and him coming to this similar conclusion that if we basically, if we merge together, we can be better and you get smart Hulk, like so much better than, Oh, five years later. Yeah. We worked some stuff out. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if in, I don't know, five, 10 years, we'll get like special anniversary editions, you know, that are like recut. Well, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know how. No, it wouldn't really work uh, because you still have him in the Hulkbuster and in, Endgame. But uh, yeah, it's just it was a missed. I think a missed opportunity because um, I still also believe that opening stuff uh, in Endgame should have been at the end of Infinity War as a better kind of cliffhanger moment when you have. Because like my dad, uh, and of course we're talking about the first Avengers, but we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But like when my dad saw Infinity War. He really didn't like it because he's like, they're all just going to come back. The stones are out there going to come back. If you ended on that moment where like Thanos is like, nah, I destroyed the stones. And then you have, uh, you know, Thor behead him and you're like, well, crap. Like, how are they going to get the stones? It makes a better cliffhanger. It really does, because that is one of the biggest things. Again, like we said, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But when you have all these reactors and stuff and people posting their reactions online to that movie and how they're all like bawling and everything. And, and, you know, if that's how you feel, like that's how you feel, but it never made any sense to me because I'm like, well, we got the second movie. Like there's no reason for me to like be bawling at this point. Like, yeah, it's emotional and it can be moving. Like the most moving one to me is Spidey. Oh yeah. But the rest of it, I'm like, well, there's a second movie, so I'm not going to be upset until I see the second movie. And if they're permanently dead, then, you know, then I'd be upset. Right, right. And well, and like once you take the stones out of the equation, it's like, now how like yeah. how are you going to get the, them back? So, yeah. you know, they'll come back. But then the, the, that question of how do they get them back is is a, a little bit more daunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but getting back to. Avengers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it it opens up. We've we're seeing Selvig's research. Uh, you know, we've got the the queue being activated. Uh, well, and I think we got Hawkeye making like I as far as his character goes. And I know people like disparage him, but I'm like, he is pretty smart. Like he's the one who's like, well, it's a door and it has two yeah. sides and everybody else. <laughs> you got this room full of scientists who are all freaking out trying to figure out what happens you know, what's going on. And he's like, it's a door, two sides, like common sense man, you know, like the simplest solution. Right. Right. Occam's razor. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, you know, you got, okay. Loki coming and, and basically using what, what we don't know at the time. Like when we saw this movie, we didn't know that this was going to be the mind stone. Um, but it makes perfect sense too. in, in even retrospect, uh, that this would be the mind stone. He, you know, turns, uh, Clint over to his side, Selvig, all them. Um, you know, we get also introduced to Maria Hill, who I think um, <clears throat> this is probably her lowest tier, and not in performance, but just in like how they use her. I think mm-hmm. that they they definitely open her up later in, in the other films to where I'm like happy to see her on the screen uh, yeah. in more action oriented stuff. Um, and uh yeah, I mean, it basically Loki getting away with the Tesseract is what kicks all gets, this off. It kicks, yeah. kicks it all off. You know, you get that great, um, <clears throat> I believe, Alan Silvestri score and and the the Marvel's Avengers title card. I was so uh, in love with that music. <laughs> oh, and, and it's and it's stuck around. And there there's a reason why um, Alan uh, Silvestri does does fantastic music. I mean, he he did the score for Predator. Uh, I believe he did Die Hard. 
uh, I mean, you've you've heard his music. You just may not know his name, but it, it, it he it, it's a very iconic uh, uh, piece of music for their theme. And uh, y- yeah, we we just kind of get everybody gets their kind of introductory scene. Uh, Cap, uh, Tony, um, Thor. I, I like how they did the transitions. Yes. In this, you know, they did them very well, very clever, very good transitions. Well, it's each, each one. one builds kind of off of the other. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have like Tony getting doing his consulting thing and and uh, and then it goes into basically like cap. And then, uh, you know, we got Ban- well, we got Banner. At, we got we got Natalie Banner before and then Banner. Yeah, Nat, it's Nat first who because then Colson's like, you get the big guy. I've got Stark. So then yeah. we get Banner. Then I think we get like, is it Fury talking with the people? He's like, yeah, some, he's, he's talking, talking about the Security them. Council. He's talking to them because then, yeah, then it's Cap and then it's Iron Man because he said you should have left it in the ocean and then it's Iron Man in the water. Right. And then we get like Phil coming in. Yeah. Why? Because he's His really first name is Agent. <laughs> and and, uh, and this is kind of the one thing too is uh you know colson who started out as just kind of being a minor character in in iron man um and he's had his little it would have been nice for him to maybe be one of the agents that found caps like shield in the ice Mm -hmm. uh because it would have made more of a of a connect other than him being just a cap super fan um you know where he has shown up in each of the individual films to be kind of a tie to what is their, you know, basic uh, reason for coming together in the end, because mm-hmm. that's kind of that 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 thing that they He's unify there with, around with all of them, yeah. Right, uh, but yeah, I was watching you while you were sleeping. Is probably one of the creepiest <laughs> but but funniest lines that yeah. uh, Clark Gregg uh, delivers in this film. He, uh, I also a good actor. Well, and I also like the the bit with uh, when Nat's like telling them, "Oh, you might want to get inside. It's going to get hard to breathe." And yeah. and uh, Banner's like, "Oh, Fury wants me on a on a submersible, you know." And yeah. and then it, you see the turbines like, "Oh no, this is much worse." <laughs> <laughs> and that's again like kind of the missed opportunities. I don't know if like someone at Marvel or if Feige like just does not like Hulk. But like that's it's the only thing I can say, like it feels like with each subsequent film and you each get a degradation and his character and perform not performance, but character and writing mm-hmm. uh, to where then you basically go. Yeah, let's let's just do smart Hulk. You know, let's just yeah. get let's get past the whole getting angry and blah, 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 um, because, you know, we haven't gotten another solo film out of him. I mean, thankfully, we're getting the She-Hulk show. Um, which he's involved in. So maybe we'll get some better, you know, Hulk stories out of that. But it is one of the kind of disappointing moments. And then, you know, we get the the uh, Stuttgart, um, you know, scene, which I, I did like because this also introduces kind of the concept of Hydra and, and AIM possibly being kind of they're interacting yeah. together, that yeah. there are these villains that, you know, Plenty of enemies, you know, yeah. that are out Shield to get has Shield. No shortage, yeah, no shortage of enemies, yeah. And uh, so I think that that was really kind of cool to introduce, introduce that concept as well. Uh, and that's you get Stuttgart, uh, you get Caps. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I remember loving his uniform in, back in 2012 and like, oh, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with it. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, they no. it's it's either i don't know if it's just that it's too sleek or too trimmed but i really do like the the you know captain america first avenger costume and and the subsequent films movie uh costumes because they they feel more like rather than just being a costume like it feels like it has a purpose like each bit of the costume serves some type of use Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, watching this in, in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, this isn't really the best <laughs> costume for him. Um, and then, you know, this is, of course, we finally get Cap and, and Tony meeting, uh, and then Thor, uh, getting involved at, at yeah. some point too. Again, we got those kind of small, like it might've helped if Thor had a second film or Thor kind of did something a little bit differently when you have this, oh, exposition of, oh, thought the 
the Allfather, how much dark energy <laughs> did he have to, you know, summon Conjure to send you? Here. Because when you when we see uh, Heimdall in the later Thor movies, like Heimdall just sends people down the Bifrost. Like they don't really use the whole mechanic device of the Bifrost a whole lot. Like he manages in at the beginning of Infinity War, like he summons the power himself to mm-hmm. send Banner to Earth. And it's like, well, okay, if he's kind of got that power, like that might have been the better way to do it, where you say like, oh, Heimdall was able to conjure up some spell to send you to Earth. But it it, it it kind of is like, all right, yes, this is a quick plot point. Yeah, we destroyed the Bifrost. Here's a quick deus ex machina to get Thor to Earth. Right, right. Well, they, they, they needed one because otherwise, you know, everybody's like, how did he get here? Blah, blah, blah. And people would be freaking out. So, you know. Right. The the little fight scene, though, that we get there has one of my favorite funny moments. This is the one that played really well, was the Doth Mother Know Weareth Her Drapes. <laughs> it, is, it is fantastic. And I also... Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. One, one, of my, one of my favorite bits of that, too, is, you know, Thor getting the, the lightning and, and electrocuting the suit, and then, like, Jarvis is like, power at 400%. Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because uh, it's like, oh, that fight doesn't quite go the way. Uh, and I also I also like when uh, when Cap's like, all right, you know, you're going to put the hammer down. And, and like yeah. <laughs> Tony's like, uh, no, he likes his hair. Bam. Yeah. And then you get that whole kind of uh, hammer uh, shield thing. And that was just it's it's a great scene because that's the kind of the moment we're like, all right, we need to calm down. Yeah. regroup. But Take also one of the very, very clever things of this. And this is what kind of should have been throwing up red flags for the characters, but couldn't understand why not. It's like, why didn't Loki, Loki run away? Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, Loki's still there. Cause you would, yeah. any, any reasonable person who knows that this is a villain is like, Oh, he's gone. And then yeah, you got him like there. He just is, He is gone instantly. Humorously sitting there and watching them fight. And it, it's that kind of, clever thing of that you know loki's trying to think two steps ahead or as who who says it a banner that says like he's a a, a sack full of cats yeah you know um so you know and then we get to kind of everyone's finally together and we got mistrust people not getting uh getting along uh references not being understood outside of flying monkeys (laughs) um and uh yeah we get it's inevitable, but this is kind of where we have to that now have the heroes fight each other again type of thing, mm. you know, and part of that being influenced a little bit by the Mind Stone. Um, but, you know, you got Hulk and, and Thor fight, which I think actually now looking in retrospect is like even better considering their relationship moving on in the Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Like it, it, it's very reflective uh, but I re- just remember that being one of the coolest fights, especially when you got Thor there, got his arm outstretched. You hear the hammer Thor. coming and bam, right at that moment, takes that hammer and gets Hulk right across the, the face. The jaw, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. it is amazing. Um, yeah, we're just kind of burning, burning right on burning through, through it. Yeah, but it like moves said, at, at a clip. Yeah, well, and, and it's like I said, it's not very plot heavy. It's just, mm-hmm. hey, here's the here's the problem get the characters together, solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have the unfortunateness and I guess now solidified death of Coulson. Um, yeah. because, uh, Feige does not like Jeff Loeb and is like decanonizing any of the TV shows, I think, including the Netflix ones, which were the kind of the ones where he was more like, okay, you can connect them. And now he's kind of like, now you can't, um and you know we saw in loki like just basically the death of colson and that's just about it so bye bye agents of shield you got pruned um and but i i still think that that was a very clever thing because you have fury use that as the primary motivator for them to think together as a team and figure out how to solve the problem yeah yeah um and then you get the Battle of New York. Not much else to say, you know. Really, <laughs> they come really together. Not. Um, yeah. You get that very iconic panning shot of you know each hero in their glory getting that moment on the camera and doing that 360 view is still one of the best moments of of cinema, in my opinion. Yeah, that was awesome. 
again, I just kind of, you think back to like when it was 2012, this was freaking fantastic. Oh yeah. It was so amazing. It was exciting. And that's like why people, you know, like you and me, we went back to the theater like multiple times to go watch it because this was so freaking cool. Yeah. That, I mean, that moment was just like, you've never seen it before. You know, Mm -hmm. you never saw Batman and Superman on screen together at the same time. You never got to see all of these heroes interacting together. And, uh, you know, it's just um, just amazing, amazing to finally see that up there on the big screen. you got Cap, Thor, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Hulk, you know, Iron Man uh, and what? Clinch up Legolas, you know, and it's just it's just one of those moments where you just never thought you would see that moment up on a big screen. Yeah. It was just always going to be in a comic book spread, you know, like the, yeah. the big picture. So I guess this is where I, cause I have some criticism of Feige and his kind of approach to the Marvel movies now. Cause like I, I knowing the impact of that, of that scene and having seen it in the theaters, like I can understand why you would want to really only exclusively release these movies for the cinema. Mm-hmm. But we're living in a different age than 2012. And I'm not even talking about COVID. Like, I mean, I look at my TV, I look at my sound system and like, I basically have a home theater. Like I don't have as big of a screen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I could, if I wanted to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Get a projector and yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that that's something he might need to revisit. Uh, And I'm, I'm fine. Like, I really like this kind of idea of day and date release where it's available on um, the parent company, the parent studio that's putting the film out there, um, their streaming service if they have. So like Mm -hmm. Disney, Disney Plus, uh, Warner Brothers is HBO Max. Uh, and, um, I'm, I'm more a fan of the HBO max, uh, format where if you're, you know, a subscriber, it's available to you at no additional fee, but I also, yeah, and it's only, it's only on there for like a week, right? Uh, it's on there for a month. So Is basically from, about the run of uh, just about the run of a, of a theater run, you know? Okay. Uh, but then even if it's in theaters a little bit longer, like you don't have access to it after those 30 days. So mm-hmm. it's like, uh, Hey, you're going to watch it or you're not going to watch it. And you're going to have to either go catch it in theaters if you really wanted to see it or wait till we eventually re-release it on our streaming service and on home video. Um, and now understanding kind of from my brother, cause he's done the, uh, the Disney plus premiere access. Uh, I, I can't complain with Disney's, uh, format on that, where you pay that $30 and you have continuous access to it. But something about that is lost when it hits that month that they decide to, re- to actually have it on their platform because it would be like one thing where you're on Vudu and you pay 20 bucks to buy the movie. You then own that movie and you have access to it all the time. And then mm-hmm. other people are going to have to end up paying for it if they want to watch it. Um, and so Disney Plus, like you paid that 30 bucks. Yeah, you may get to watch it 20 million times before it's available in October. But once it's available in October, it's available to everyone. So there's. Right. You know, that there's something about that where like you if you waited till October, you'd get to watch it on your own. Which um, is what I'm doing with Black Widow, because, I mean, there just really wasn't an incentive for me to go to the theater. And yeah. there's no incentive for me to pay 30 bucks for it. And I think, again, we don't want to get like way out of out of context to what we're talking about. But there's no incentive for me to go see Black Widow because it's not going it's not like Infinity War or Endgame right. affecting the plot of the MCU as a whole. So there's really no incentive for me to like, I got to hurry up and see it. The the most I can say is that it sets up a new character basically to take on the mantle moving forward. And maybe not even um, yeah. depending and on what route they want to go with her. I pretty much figured that was it from the trailers yeah. because we've seen the trailers like so many times that like, that's another thing where it's like, I get where they don't want to release like super long detailed trailers because sometimes they give away way too much. Right. I I still because I know Feige has come out and said it and I'm a little bit angry, but I like I can also understand at the same time, I would at least like a Spider-Man teaser, like 30 seconds, just something to give me 
kind of an idea of what to expect. It doesn't have to be much. Even you could even take 15 seconds off of the uh, end mid credit scene from uh, No Way Home or uh, Far From Home. Uh, no Way Home is the new one, and even intersperse that. Just having a bit of the JJ speech, uh, uh, and uh, you know, and then like maybe a brief line from Doc. You know uh-huh. that like just that, and you I would be fine because at least gives me something gives me a little bit and now with from i don't know if it's been official yet but i saw some reporting that both venom and spider-man are pushed because of the delta variant and so like are we going to run into an issue again like we did with black widow where by the time he finally they finally decide to release it that steam it's got going for it might die completely gone yeah well, um, here's a segue back talking about yeah. Spider-Man and th- that thinking about the um, the Spider-Man, the animated one from Sony and uh, and Miles Morales. At the end of Avengers, you see a kid who's got like a red and black hood sweatshirt on, like spray painting. Thank you, Avengers. And you don't really see his face. And I've never paused directly on it. But I saw that this time and thought, is that Miles? That would be kind of cool. But I. See, because we're we're going to start getting to a point where timeline gets a little wonky. I know, uh, and I I didn't know. I'm like, how old is he supposed to be? And I was trying to figure it so out. So, like Miles is going to be more of a teenager when Peter's an adult. So, it, he probably it, isn't it's born yet at this point. Yeah, that or if he is, he's he's only he's, like he's way too little. five or six. Um, maybe it's his I, uncle. I, well, no, his uncle would probably be older, but well, but uh, like I, I said, I, again, you never see the, you never see right. the face. You just see the back. Well, and we do know that they have retcon stuff like Peter is the kid in, in Iron Man too. Yeah. Uh, so we could see something like that happening, but, uh, I know miles, uh, should here at some point, I think get a live screen debut. Yeah. Um, because I, I just, how do you not? I mean, with Into the Spider-Verse and even it, the Miles Morales Spider-Man video game are insanely popular, very well done. Um, and I, what's funny is my nephew, who is a huge Spider-Man uh, fan, granted he's only six, but my nephew, that's his hero, which was probably when I was his age, was Spider-Man was my hero too. But it's not Peter Parker. It's Miles Morales. Like Miles Morales is Spider-Man to him. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things because one of the big controversies in the comics is is changing races and stuff of care of like mainline heroes. Like everyone wants to see, a, you know, black Superman, but they, they don't want to go through, I think, the right process like Miles went through first starting out in a, in a multiverse and then, you know, actually taking on the mantle after that universe's Peter Parker dies mm-hmm. and then becoming so popular amongst the crew that when they decided to kind of converge their multiverses together, they made sure he survived and now they've worked it into mainline continuity. And, and I would say like, if you want a black uh, Superman, you've got one, it's Val Zod. So just don't tell me you want to see a black Kal-El, which is also a multiversal Superman, but like, I'd rather see, and I, and that's what uh, the Michael B. Jordan Superman movie is, is going to be. And I'm excited for that when they were first just going to say, no, it's just black Superman. It's like, well, wait a minute. Like you're, you're losing a little bit of credibility for me because you're just doing that to pander to a group when there are actually established characters that you could do. And now that Michael B. Jordan's come out and said, yeah, we're doing Valzad and all that. I'm like, fantastic. I'm 100% behind that movie because it is a new character that was created. Yeah, he might be wearing the mantle of Superman, but he's got his own sets of problems and, and situations that are completely different from Kal-El. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, getting back to the topic at hand before we spiral out into different thoughts of the comic book industry <laughs> or, or future movies that are coming out. Um, yeah, Avengers did what it set out to do. It was able to sell a... Uh, a team movie mm-hmm. with multiple big name actors, everyone getting substantial amounts of screen time without it ever feeling too tilted towards Robert Downey Jr. or to right. Chris Hemsworth. Uh, they also fixed Thor in this one without <laughs> the bleach uh, bleaching. Eyebrows. 
uh, bleached <laughs> eyebrows and bleached beard beard. So uh, good job on that one, uh, Marvel. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it sets up the big bad and, and honestly is how they're approaching each kind of big bad moving forward, I think. Cause like, obviously with Loki, uh, we've got our kind of set up for Kang and Kang is like probably going to be Avenger six or seven or whatever it ends mm-hmm. up being down the road as the big guy that they finally fight. Uh, yeah. because I, I was, they called this one, the infinity saga, um, I believe the name that they're kind of, like people are calling this new one is like the multiverse saga uh, because of everything that's coming out of Loki and how it's impacting the greater MCU. And I think that that's fantastic. Yeah. One other little, because uh, uh, like everyone has been doing their like little theories and stuff and how Kang's been around since the beginning and everything. They've even like gone to, so far to say like the recasts were actually Kang's reworking of the timeline. <laughs> well, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of like when you think about it, it's like, oh, okay, so like this variant of Banner was the the variant we needed to get to Endgame type of yeah. thing. That's an so interesting it, way to like canonize it and, and you know, it's like canonizing Kang being there the whole time and also the recasts. Like, right, that's, right. That's you, like you, a lighthearted, fun way. I like it. You work it within the confines of your universe and you're using the rules and everything and it's like Mm -hmm. oh that's that's really interesting it's like i never quite thought of it in that way before and because uh, nobody thinks any different when tony sees (laughs) brody yeah it it, that's that's brody because like once they reset that little bit of the timeline there you go uh so it, it is really interesting now with Loki having been out, like everyone's kind of speculation videos and, and a video like that in particular. And uh, and I also love because uh, we'll, we obviously will be covering it for the podcast, depending on how long the episodes are. We might do two at a time. We might do one at a time. But like they are even considering what if MCU canon. So that leaves so much potential for. Maybe we could see like a because uh, I know um, Captain Carter is like going to be their main one of their main big characters that's going to be in season one and season two and serving some type of big role like that. We might maybe see a Captain Carter movie down the road at some point or something like that. Or mm-hmm. say we get to the the big final showdown with Kang. You see Haley Atwood out there with the Captain Carter shield and the big final fight. Like that would be super that would cool. Be amazing. And uh, this is one of those where I want to say, use her now while you have her, and don't wait yes. so long like <clears throat> Star Wars until your actors are aged <laughs> out so far, and then they start dying. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like whatever potentials that they set up and and what if uh, is is potentially something that they can use for future movie or show material down the road, depending on how popular the concept or the idea is. Uh, I saw, um, and I don't know how it is cause obviously we haven't seen it yet, but like there have been some mixed, I guess, critical receptions to what if, and I think that's either going to be purely de- uh, dependent on the fact that certain characters are not voiced by their actors which is neither here nor there for me um, outside of unless like they just like flat out said no. And they were just like, nah, I'm just going to be a complete jerk. But schedules could have been a a factor in that Uh, animation style because the animation hasn't completely sold me yet. Um, But if you're looking at it, at the stories that they're introducing, I think people have to understand that not all of them are going to be hits Mm -hmm. and not all of them are going to be misses. So what, the whole great concept of what if was to just put these what? heroes in different situations yeah. and yeah, change like, like seeing uh, T'Challa as star Lord. Like, yeah, that's the biggest one that I've seen people like on threads or whatever comments on Facebook and stuff. And people are like, how did that even happen? Blah, 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 blah. blah. And I'm like, the show hasn't even freaking came out right. yet. Calm yourself <laughs> down. Maybe wait right. till it comes out and see it. That's where I feel like, Again, like we've talked about before, like this space of like reviewers of podcasts and YouTubers and stuff gets filled up with so much people just wanting to spout, you know, whatever comes into their head. And it just fills up with so much negativity and tension and rah, rah, rah. And you've got to listen to me. And it's like 
the show hasn't even come out yet and there's already people right. who were who were angry about it like jeez well it just yourself. again some of the reception from the big youtubers of loki where they were just saying it was a garbage show and and trash and it was just pushing agenda blah 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 and this and this and like yet when i when i see kind of not to use the term normies but when i see normies watching the show and they're really into it i'm like okay like these aren't people who necessarily bleed marvel or anything but they watch Mm -hmm. the show and they're like that was really good i'm more likely going to listen to them knowing that they're coming from an outside perspective and going well that's actually a pretty decent show Mm -hmm. um and going wow that was really cool it was mind-blowing like oh i didn't think about that you know whereas like we've said, you know, some of these uh, bigger channels and stuff like that have kind of made their bones on those initially probably right opinions. But now it feels like the only way they'll keep that momentum going in their subscriptions is if they're negative on absolutely everything. For example, like the the Masters of the Universe show, like I've I've only honestly watched the first two episodes on Netflix. And I was already hearing the backlash, you know, everyone complaining about Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith kind of, I think, probably inappropriately trying to defend what he did with the show. Uh, But I I think people are also approaching it from the wrong perspective because it's one, it's called Masters of the Universe. And I know that we might get flooded for a little It's called Masters of the Universe. The original show was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And so I don't mind that they're kind of taking this detour of let's not always focus on He-Man. Let's look at some of these (laughs) other characters. And I've actually because the reason I haven't progressed further through it is I'm actually because I never watched at least all of them. I know I watched a few of them. I'm actually watching the old He-Man show. And uh, there are plenty of moments that are feel kind of reminiscent of what they're doing in uh, Masters of the Universe. But I also think because there's only an initial batch of five episodes for the first part that people are negatively reacting to what's in those first five episodes, not knowing what the back half of that is. I think it's probably wrong that they broke it up when it's five episodes for an animated show like that. It feels a little bit weird. But wait until that other five come out. Then if you get to the end of that and it's complete garbage to you, I I will find more validation in your opinion on that. But as far as we know, we're only at the halfway part of that story when we get to the end of episode five. You don't know what's coming until that second half comes. So, I I mean, if you want to bow out on it, I can understand that completely. It's just if it's too offensive to you, fine. That's that's your that's your right. But I also don't think it's fair to then if people are enjoying it to attack them for enjoying it. And I, uh, that's what feels like to be the current war right now. And that's, what's been kind of nice going. Like we talked about it in Iron Man. One of the really cool things about the MCU and its early stages and its beginning was it felt so much like a unified experience. Like Mm -hmm. everyone and their grandmother was going out and enjoying these movies. And it wasn't about, politics it wasn't about race it wasn't about gender it wasn't about anything it was just everyone experiencing this this just fantastic uh what not, not the phantasm uh phenomena of phenomena studi- <laughs> uh, of of studios working together actors working together directors working together to create something that had never been done before mm-hmm. um I mean, the closest you might say something was done is the Godzilla movies, like because some of the other monsters had their own films like Mothra and Ghidorah and stuff like that. But like there was nothing that was like a connective tissue to say, like, this movie leads into that movie that leads into this movie that leads into this team up movie. Well, and I would say, too, that the the unified experience of the audience being in the theater was probably probably hadn't. I'm trying to think the only thing that comes to my mind is like theaters um watching star wars you know that like or uh, having, maybe having, lord of the rings yeah but i'm trying to think like as far back as i can th- i think probably star wars was maybe first of mm-hmm. having you know oh, audience okay. I see reaction. What you're saying now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah audience's reaction like you having that unified experience when you're in the theater 
Like, yeah. I remember reading an article of somebody who said they were in the theater when it was the very first showing, I think, of of Empire. And when Vader, you know, says, I'm your father, and the whole theater was, like, flipping out, and people are like, <gasps> you know, and, like, having that kind of reaction to stuff. But then, like, yeah, like you said, like, Lord of the Rings is kind of that similar experience when you're going to the theater and you're watching it. And, and these movies, and then leading up to the culmination here in Avengers, that was, like, that same kind of experience that you were having. Yeah. And then they continued to have it. If anybody's gone out on YouTube and watched audience reactions, especially especially to Endgame and that oh, scene. Oh, yeah, 100% like, on Endgame. Oh, my gosh, being there in the theater for that was amazing. I I remember, um, like, when when you just, when you hear the calm. Yeah, the on, crackle. And, and then you, you hear on your left, and then you just see everyone coming out of the portal. And then, and that's when and, I started crying in the theater. <laughs> and, and then you got, and then you got Cap, and just go Avengers Assemble, because yeah. like that's that's the one thing. Like getting kind of back to the topic on hand, like it was the one thing that everyone was expecting in this movie. Yeah, but it was like a line of Avengers Assemble, and we never got it. And then when we got to Age of Ultron, we're like, okay, surely it's going to be here. And then yeah. they kicked us in the balls. <laughs> it was <just laughs> Avengers, uh, and then cut. And then yeah. so but but the cleverness of that, whether it was intended to or not, saving it for that moment in Endgame made it that much better and that much more impactful for everyone in the audience to just be gasped and shouts and cheers and claps yeah. like uh, I don't. And that's, again, where I can understand why Feige wants to kind of keep these as cinematic releases first before coming out to the home. But it's just. Unfortunately, we're growing from that. We're we're diverging from that. We're branching off into our own timeline, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's just it's become it's a different thing. Where, you know, I, I as much as I liked that theater experience, I have twenty other theater experiences where I could tell you I had horrible times. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it does kind of depend on the group of people you're with and the movie you're watching. That yeah. maybe if you do a simultaneous or maybe you do a delayed, you had leave it out in theaters for the first three, four weeks, and then you do your premiere release on Disney plus or something like that. Maybe that's your, maybe your good workaround to, to still trying to get people in the theaters for those big name movies. And then maybe if they're not really wanting to, then they can access it from, from home. But yeah. Um, yeah. Avengers just, it did it. Uh, it did the job it set out to do. It was really kind of that culmination of all of those studios and actors and directors all working together. And we are for the better uh, as a as a nerd as, culture. As and our as our timeline, because there's yes. one out there where it bombed <laughs> yes. or never existed. Well, that was again the '90s stuff. That was the uh, that was the Captain. I even found this out, and I will pick this up at some point. Uh, they actually did a Doctor Strange like pilot movie that that was going to be a TV show, and I think the '90s or maybe it was maybe it was around the Hulk time. I can't remember. And I actually found it because I was I was like, hey, I'm I'm going to go back and at some point order that '90s Captain America film because that was the one when I was go through network video and I would find it like I, I would rent it every time, even though it was <laughs> God awful bad. You couldn't even cut the holes in the suits to have the guy's ear ears out of the suit. So they had to do prosthetic ears on the outside of the, of the captain America mask. And you had a Italian really bad red skull, but there's still something about that movie that i really enjoy, even though it's awful. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, I am like, Okay, I want to get the Incredible Hulk TV show complete series and and it's little uh, two I think two movies. I know on Tubi the really bad Captain America movies that are like n- just Captain America in name basically. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, watch those at some point. Watch the old 70s Spider-Man Japanese TV show. Uh you know, there it's like I I do kind of want to go back and explore those lesser known uh, uh, films and and the the failure that ended up leading us to this point and the potential we'll have moving forward where we'll get mutants and Fantastic Four and 
who knows what's coming down the pike that we can still be really excited for, even if there are those hiccups along the ways, uh, like Captain Marvel and, in my opinion, Black Widow. Although I will say this, like Black Widow is is still loads and loads better than Captain Marvel was. Um, but it, it's still a bright future. And again, like if you've got Feige at the helm and Feige is doing his job and not being influenced by outside groups, I think we still have a bright future of Marvel movies that can come down the pike. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I'm excited for Hawkeye. I'm excited for what if uh, Dr. Strange, Shang-Chi, I really hope Spider-Man still set the release in, in December. And I will say the the second Venom trailer for Venom 2 uh, was far better than the first trailer. Because the first trailer <laughs> was was a little too hokey and comedy focused. Uh, and this one kind of focused more on the horror of Carnage. Uh, so I, I am, I'm excited for it. I just I hope we're not reaching that point like we did last year where they're just like, oh, yeah, we're now pushing these movies for another year. And yeah. by the time we get to them, it's like, I don't care. Just yeah, you lost DVD. the steam. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but think, I think that, I mean, I don't really have much else to say. I know, like, we probably didn't get into, like, the nitty gritty details of the oh, movie the and stuff yeah. like that. But, uh, you know, it's it's been around long enough. I think we all have a general thought about the film anyways. And really, I, I don't know who it's rusty in their mind about the events and about how they felt about the film. Um, so when it comes to a score for me on this one, I'm probably going to land between a four and four and a half. Um, and mainly because like, I, I, as good as it is and as much as I enjoy it, like I feel like giving it a, a perfect score is, is a little unwarranted um, just because there are some things that they maybe could have done a little bit better. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give it the five out of five. Okay. From the perspective of 2012 when I saw it the first time. Okay. So like I'm scoring it from having, you know, this is my first time that I've seen it. It was five out of five. Like I would it, say, like yeah, it back then would be my a interest and and got me into that group. We did RPG for a little while, you know, when I hadn't done it in years, you know. So I'd I'd say like 2012 perspective, it was a five out of five. And I, I would agree with that too. I I know when I came out of the theater, I had zero complaints like yeah. about the film. Uh, but watching it later with. I'd say like over the years, because uh, I used to pretty much just enjoy every movie I watched, and I really didn't kind of develop a, a critical nature to film and viewing film and finding things. And I say to an extent, like even today, I I've, I kind of can separate the two, where I can still enjoy a garbage film like that Captain America '90s film, uh, and but still now point out the flaws. And I do think like they could have maybe worked the story a little bit better. Um, Loki, I think, is is serviceable in this film as a villain, uh, but maybe they could have gone a little bit better about the plot and how things kind of unfold. But I, I also won't say I know how to do that, like that yeah. I would have been in 2012, the guy who'd been like, do it this way and this will be the <laughs> way that will win everyone over. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm probably leaning more to like four and a half than the four but I kind of want to leave that leeway in there a little bit because there are there just are some things. But uh, overall, it will always be a movie I will I will definitely watch. Uh, and, you know, if I have kids in the future, it's going to be a movie I'm going to show them. Um, it's still it sets up a lot of great character moments. It actually plants the seeds for Civil War because of the warring nature between Cap and Tony. You also have kind of the planting of the seeds on why they take the opposite views of what you would think they would take in when it comes to the Soviet Accords, uh, Sokovia Accords, because Cap is the I follow the order straight to the letter type of guy. And Tony's Ooh. the I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. But through the events of stuff that unfolds in this film, you've got uh, Cap starting to question things and know that there's not everyone has the good intent that he just assumes 
And then you've got Tony understanding the importance of order and protection. So it's really kind of cool to see that those are where the seeds are initially planted and seeing how they culminate to these later films and why there is that kind of as much as I do think that they consider themselves friends, why they're always kind of butting heads and being Mm -hmm. combative towards each other Uh, and then making kind of that, uh, you know, the betrayal of Cap knowing what happened to Stark's parents and and with Winter Soldier that much more uh, of a pain to Tony. Uh, So. All right. Well, I don't know. You have any other final thoughts? Shawarma after. Shawarma. <laughs> Which is funny because, you know, every, I, I I look at it every time I watch it. And, yeah, the shawarma place is right there when he's getting his ass handed to him by the Shatari. <laughs> and it's like, oh, well, that's where he gets the idea of the shawarma. So, well, you know, I've, uh, I've heard that it's good from the people who've gone to Marvel campus, you know, to the Avengers campus, that it, the shawarma cart's there. I can't I can't say I would be one to try shawarma, but <laughs> I'm a very picky eater. And as my as as my, our other co-host, Pat, knows, uh, I have basically the palate of a 12 year old. So um, if it's basically not a hamburger or pizza, I'm I'm pretty much out. <laughs> well, then I guess Peter's got you covered. Lucky dog pizza. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, We enjoyed covering this one. Obviously, we will be continuing on with the MCU franchise review. I believe Iron Man 3 is the next next one. Um, But that may not be our next episode of the podcast. Uh, You know, we're probably going to get back to about once a month on the MCU franchise reviews, whereas then the other weeks are filled in with other TV shows and other movies. I know the goal is for us to start getting back to some screeners. Um, cause I know my, uh, our email is flooded with screener requests and I just never respond, but it's more of like finding the time and Shame. finding the right one. <laughs> um, well, and it's not like, it's not like we're getting screeners to star Wars, right? right. Yeah, we're getting, it's, it's getting screeners to some more independently released films, which I am always grateful for. So it's not a knock to those, uh, to those sending them to me, but, uh, Yeah, it's just one of those things, but uh, we will keep you updated. And as always, uh, if you're not following the podcast, you can follow us on social media uh, on Twitter at Critics NT Cynics. Follow us on Facebook at Critics Not Cynics Podcast. Uh, You can write into the podcast. Let us know what your experiences were about watching Avengers uh, for the first time. You can do that by writing in uh, at Critics Not Cynics at gmail.com. Uh, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, Amazon Music, uh, just about anywhere you can get your podcasts. And uh, as always, if you leave us a rate and review, let us know what you think. Uh, do you like our thoughts? Do you hate our thoughts? Are we always just the the contrarians? Uh, we we like everything too much. You know, we'll we'll listen to that criticism. <laughs> so, all right, guys, we will talk to you next time.